Good morning, Christ Church. Amen. Yeah, go ahead, take a seat. Uh, so much good stuff is going on in our church, and I'm so thankful for all that you do, for your love, your support, your service here. Man, God is just really glorifying his name through you. Um, so I'm, I'm proud to be part of, uh, of this community and of your faith. And today we're starting a new sermon series. There is this reality in life that you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your level of training. And this is true in all the different domains of life. An athlete doesn't really rise to the occasion, they, they fall to their level of training. Uh, soldiers, people in the military, they don't rise to their occasion, they fall to their level of training. And it's also true that followers of Christ don't rise to the occasion, we fall to our level of training. So in this series, we're going to talk about training to become like Christ. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and what that means and, and different ways we can do that. But before we do, let's just pray and ask God's help in all this. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your presence with us here today. Father, we're thankful that today we can come in and we can be reminded, we can be encouraged, we can be strengthened, and we can leave these doors renewed by the scriptures and by your spirit at work in each of us. So Father, we just open our hearts to you, show us your way, speak to each of us as we need to hear today. And Lord, I pray you'd be glorified in all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I saw this crazy documentary a couple weeks ago called Just One Mile. Has anyone seen this? All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to totally spoil it for you here this morning. But it, it's about this race, and I think it was in like Kentucky or something like that. It's like in this very obscure place, and, it, and it's a, a last man standing type race. So, so here's what that means. It means that like, you, there's no real finish line. It's just you have to outlast everyone. And the way the race works is it's a one-mile loop. And each participant has 20 minutes to do this one-mile loop. And it's just kind of a trail run, but there is some, you know, good-sized hills in it. And so everybody just goes one lap and then another lap and another lap and another lap until you're the last man standing. Is that sadistic or what? Isn't it amazing there's a market for this type of thing? Uh, and and so, this, so the, the story kind of focuses on this guy named Chad Wright, and, and he talks all about uh, his training for this. And as you can imagine, just the amount of miles, the nutrition, uh, the, he, he has a total strategy to do this race and to win it. And let me just make sure I get these numbers right here. Here's how it ended. He ran 122 miles. 38 hours. And it was like 75,000 feet of ele elevation gain. Absolutely insane. Now, you know, when you kind of watch this story, you'll see that, that this guy, he's methodical in everything that he does. The, the way that he does the loops, the way that he recovers, because if you get there before 20 minutes, you can rehydrate and eat some food. Like, nothing is to chance in this. It's all completely 
uh, by design, by training. Now, on the flip side, imagine if this guy were to show up and he's like, I want to win this race and I'm going to try really hard. And imagine if someone asked him, like, well, did did you train for it? No, didn't train, but man, I'm going to try my best. And you're like, good luck, dude, right? You know he's got no chance at all because it's not a matter of trying, it's a matter of training, amen? And it's amazing what the human body can do with the right training, isn't it? It's, It's amazing what people can, I mean, if you know, if, if you told me someone could accomplish that, I'd be like, I don't know. Can, can the body even do that? Well, it, it can through the right training. And today, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is an implied goal in your life that is huge. It's a goal that's bigger than winning a race like this. It's the goal to become like Christ. And your life and my life is kind of one big race at least from God's perspective. And it's a race of of every day to become people who are more formed into the ways of Christ, the the character of Christ, the personhood of Christ. And and when you think about that goal, that's that's an impossible goal. And I don't know if you've had days where you wake up and you're like, Lord, I'm going to try really hard to honor you today. And then you get to lunchtime, and you're like, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm such a jerk. Or if you're me, you get to breakfast. Lord, I'm sorry, I, this day is already done. You know, and I'm kind of an all or none, so like once the diet's broken, I'm eating everything. Once, the, once I'm not like Christ anymore, I'm a total jerk. I don't care, you know, it's, it's not good. I'm just saying that's how I am. And, uh, and, and then what do you do? And then the next day you're like, you know what? All right, I, that one didn't work out. But the next day, I'm going to try harder. And then it's kind of the same result. Okay, day three. Jesus was resurrected on the third day. Day three is it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try even harder. And there's not much change. And, and I believe that, that many times as far as of Christ, we, we don't give this concept of training enough credit and enough thinking in our way of life. See, you, you cannot try to become like Christ. We have to train to become like Christ. And some of us, we might be really frustrated because, man, our hearts, we want to honor God. We want to serve him. And we're trying really hard. And, and I applaud your heart, but we need some wisdom to go with it. And the wisdom is we need to train in different ways. We need to realize that, that the journey that God has for us, it's not a journey of trying, it's a journey of training. And so through this series, we're going to talk about uh, different ways we can train to become like Christ. We're going to talk about, you know, eight different ways, eight different practices, eight different workouts, if you will. That might be a dirty word to some of us. Eight different, but but eight different ways to, to approach training in our relationship with Christ. Now, let me give you just a couple thoughts about this training before I get into the text. I just want to, I hope will be clarifying. The first thing I want you to see is that 
when we try to train, it's both natural and supernatural. Here's what I mean. That, that, that sometimes we'll all kind of fall in one ditch or the other. We'll just be overly self-reliant about things in life, and we'll think it's all up to us, and it's all in our power and our own ability. That's, that's the natural side of things. Or we'll lean on the supernatural in an unhealthy way, you know? We'll just kind of be like, well, if God wants it to happen, he'll make it happen. And like, well, okay, that's kind of true, but God wants you to get up and do something too. Amen? So, so we have to avoid both these ditches. So the reality is, is that when I bring some of these practices into my life, there's a natural side to it. There, there's a side that requires some self-discipline. Some carving out space in my daily life for God. That, that's, that's the natural side. And, and I've got to put, put some effort in. Church, our relationship with God, it requires effort. That's not a bad thing. That, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, we're, we're saved by our effort, but, but grace is not opposed to effort. It's part of a healthy relationship. But on the other side, we have to realize, but when we show up and we try to grow, we also have to trust God is going to meet us in those moments and change us and grow us in ways that only he can. That when, that when I come and I'm like, Lord, I want to know you more. I'm going to open the scripture and I'm going to learn and I'm going to try to understand with the best of my ability, but I also am going to trust that your spirit is going to meet me in those and you're going to speak to me in ways I need to hear. And you're going to, you're going to connect dots in my mind that need connected. So, so the natural and the supernatural work together in these things. You with me on this? Here's the second thing I want you to see. We practice these things from love, not for love. In other words, I don't want you to hear these messages and be like, I think Chet said, if I pray and read my Bible this week, God will love me more. Doesn't work that way. God already loves you fully and completely in Jesus Christ. You can, you can just neglect him your whole life. His love for you wouldn't change. Now, I'm not encouraging that. But I just want you to know it, it, his love isn't built on our performance. It's built on the work of Christ, which is this beautiful thing. So why do we do these things? We do these things because it builds an intimate in a meaningful relationship with God. Allie and I, we believe it's important that sometimes we go out on dates. We've been married for 10 years. Yeah, we're starting to, thank you. <laughs> it's a miracle, church. Uh, Allie, is, her patience is, it's divinely inspired. Um, and, uh, but, but, but here's the deal, but, but when we go out on dates, I'm not like, man, I, I hope that we're, I'm taking Allie somewhere nice. We're going to Longhorn tonight, you know. I don't know why you're laughing. And, and, and I hope that after this date, she loves me. Well, no, I, I know she loves me, right? I, and, but we're going on this date to, to what? To build intimacy, to, to build a healthier marriage. And it's the same way with our relationship with God. We're doing these things not to, you know, get our holy check mark on and say, all right, see, Lord, uh, check out my report card, you know. I hit four out of seven days. Amen. Uh, no, 
the, the love is there. You're secure in it, but we're trying to build intimacy. And here's the last thing I just want to say to you. We're, we're going to talk about practical ways to grow our relationship with God. And here's what I've found happens many times we have conversations like this, is that some of us get racked with guilt. And some of us, you, you, th- there's going to be a temptation that you're going to hear these messages and in your mind, you're going to go, I stink. I, I know this stuff, but, but I don't do it. I'm a loser. All these other people are so good. And, and, you, and you're going to be tempted to just wallow in your failures of the past. Am I right on this, church? Is that a temptation for someone? And you're going to be like, I, I should have been doing this, but, I, you know, this is where. Ah, ah. That's a little obnoxious. <laughs> but that's, I know that's what's happening in your <laughs> But here, here's what I want let's, let's recover, chat. Let's get back. Let's get back. Uh, I got a baby coming soon, you know. Uh, can I use that as an excuse? But, but here, one of my, my favorite b- verses in all the Bible, it says this, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I love that. Here's what I want you to focus on today. Not everything you didn't do up until this point. All I want you to key on is what can you do today that moves you forward? God is a God of progress. That's what matters, church. I don't care where your starting point is. And, and, and you know what? It's not going to be helpful to berate yourself with guilt and shame in these things. I'm just telling you, it's not going to help you. It's not going to move you towards being more who Christ wants you to be. I know it might feel really productive. Like if I can just beat myself up a little bit more, then I'll really get there. You won't. You, you, so don't focus on that. Don't wallow in that. Instead, focus on what we can do today to take steps towards what God has for us. You with me on that? So no wallowing and shame allowed here today, all right? We will kick you out. <laughs> and then you'll really have shame to wallow. No, uh, we're, we're focused on the for- forward. We're focused on today, not yesterday, and see what God could do. So let me share this verse with you today. Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading at verse 4. This is the great apostle Paul writing to an ancient church in Philippi, and he says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness. Uh, This is kind of a hard word to translate. And other translations say gentleness. And I actually like that translation a little bit better. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. How about that one? Are you serious, Paul? This is 2023, dude. (laughs) But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be be made known to God. Check out what happens. Verse 7. And the peace of God. That's got to be some good stuff right there. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and 
mind in Christ Jesus. It's not going to let anything in that shouldn't be there. It will guard it. Let me just read one more verse to you. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, these are powerful verses. And there's a lot in there. But I want to start with the ending first. I want to start by talking about that peace of God, which passes all understanding, which guards our hearts and our minds. So Paul says, if you do this training regimen, this is what you should see building in your life. A peace of God. Now, the image here is, is literally, you know, think about a, a military crew guarding something. You've got soldiers all around an encampment or a building, or you've got security guards everywhere, and, and they're guarding. And so this is the image that, that our hearts and minds are, are surrounded and guarded by the peace of God. That is a cool image. Now, let me talk about this peace of God. First, I want you to know that, that this guarding reality shows us that God's peace is not about life circumstances. Peace cannot just, this is a deeper peace. It's, it's easy to have well-being when life is just going exactly how you want it to. But when does that ever happen? <laughs> and if it's happened, how long did it last? Not that long, right? And if we're always trying to, to find this sense of peace in external circumstances aligning around us, you will never have a peace that can guard you. You with me on this? I saw, I saw a, a video on Instagram the other day, and it was, I don't know why, <laughs> you're just anticipating. And it, it, was, uh, it was this, this lady, and, and it, was, you know, it was all a joke, and she was... Um, she was like unresponsive, and a doctor was, you know, saying, what can we do to, to wake this woman up, you know? And, and then one person said, does she have a husband? And they said, yes. And she said, ma'am, your husband has just laid on the couch and is comfortable. And the lady woke up and said, honey, can you? And I said that to Allie, and she said, that is not funny. <laughs> and I said, I know, babe. I totally agree. I didn't think that was funny either. How dare Instagram, I wrote Mark Zuckerberg a letter. I said, this is not funny. Um, so <laughs> sorry, I can't, I can't resist. I'm sorry. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of, if, if you're looking for peace, right, as soon as you're all comfortable and everything's aligned and you're ready to relax and then something can happen, our peace cannot be built on that. Our peace has to, has to be found in something greater than that. Now, one of the interesting things about Christianity that makes it so compelling to me, and one of the things that, that makes it seem, uh, it's not the only reason that makes me believe it's true, but it, it, it's a good one. In other religions of this world, the, the difficulties of this world, many religions and philosophies and ways of thinking will say the, the way you deal with hard stuff is you detach from it. You disconnect from it. And I think many times in our world that, whether we realize it or not, a lot of times that, that is our philosophy towards life's difficulty, right? If I can just, if I can get away from it all, if I can like let my mind not believe 
you know, that it's really happening or I really have to face it. If I can just get away from all that, um, then, then I'll, I, I can catch my breath and, and be at peace. And it seems like it's wise, but here's what one author says about this that I thought was really a helpful way to think about it. It says, non-attachment may shield us from suffering. To love is to be vulnerable, to desire and strive, to risk disappointment. But as Height, Jonathan Height, he's a uh, NYU professor on social psychology, he says, non-attachment also deprives us of our greatest joys. Striving, desire, and deep attachment can lead us to the precipice, but they can also bring us to treasure non-attachment cannot find. Here's, here's what he's saying. he's saying. You know, it seems like it would be helpful, but when we, when we just try to pull ourselves away from the pain of the life, when we try to numb it, when we try to escape from it, when we try to uh, have no attachment to it, uh, we, we're also missing out on some of the deepest treasures that this life has to offer. And so this peace of God is not the absence of pain and difficulty in our life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can have God's peace and be facing a lot of pain. You can have God's peace and be facing really hard and scary things. You, you can have God's peace in, in the midst of chaotic circumstances and in a, in a chaotic world because it's not the absence of things. Here's what's beautiful about it. It's the presence of something different. It's the presence of God's protection around you. I don't need everything around me to change. I need to see the grace of God that is right in front of me and surrounding me and protecting me today. That's the peace of God that we have. And here's what I love about this. Notice this. It's not, it's not necessarily a protection on your body and your life, but on your heart and your mind. Because if you ever notice your body can be safe and your mind is not well. You're, you, you could be perfectly safe. You're in your house. You're under the blankets, you're warm, like there, there's no threat to your bodies, but your mind is struggling. And here's, here's the beauty of this piece, man. It, it offers to us protection that is deeper than the physical realities of this world. And, and it can guard what, what shouldn't be in our minds. It, it's going to boot out what, what shouldn't be in our heart. It's going to say, hey, you got a ticket? Nope, you're out of here, sir. And you're not <laughs> closing the gate behind you. You with me on this? Um, and it's, it's this powerful deal. So how do we get this? Does this sound good to anyone? No? All right. <laughs> cool. Sermon's going that well. I just lost my peace now. How do we get it? Well, let's look at it. Paul shows us, number one, rejoice in the Lord more and more. And, and here's what I love about this is, you know, rejoicing is an action that you take. Again, re rejoicing is, you're, you're not just waiting for, for happiness to, to come upon you, but, but you're just, you're taking action and you're rejoicing in the Lord. Now, this idea is not just a theory for the Apostle Paul 
but it's something that he lived. If you read Acts chapter 16, Paul is actually in Philippi, in the place that he's writing this letter to. He just got beat for preaching the gospel, like literally, you know, beat with rods. He's gotten thrown in jail. His uh, legs are cuffed in the jail with uh, another one of his buddies named Silas. And I mean, th- these, are, these are circumstances where if you're a little cranky and upset and discouraged, we wouldn't fault you for that, right? You just got beat. You just got thrown in jail. You're trying to serve God. It couldn't be going worse. You know, th- th- this is where Paul's at. But what we read in Acts 16, that in that moment, he's praying and singing and giving thanks to God. In that place, in that prison, not knowing what's going to happen. And, and what is he doing? He's doing what he's telling us to do here. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord. There is always joy and strength to be found in our relationship with Christ, no matter the circumstances of our life. I think one of the problems is, is we're always trying to find that joy in other people. We're trying to find that joy in things. We're trying to find that joy in the next uh, purchase. We're trying to find that joy in the next experience. And haven't we all noticed by now, like, it doesn't do the trick. Cool, I, I, I can have, you know, I can buy this great, cool, shiny gadget, and it's, it's awesome today. But then tomorrow, I'm like, yeah, you know. I thought it was going to fill my heart for forever, but it only filled it for about four hours. Now I'm over it, right? And, and, and so many things are like that. But, but here's what's so powerful. Here's what Paul is showing us. There is a deep, never-ending well of joy in our relationship with God. It's a different kind of joy. It's it's not as easy to come by as, you know, stuffing your face with a lot of sugar, which I try to find joy in doing that, you know. Um, It's a different kind of joy. It it requires a relationship. It, It requires learning. It requires uh, approaching life differently. But Paul says it's something we can practice at all times. Here's the second thing he says. Practice the nearness of God. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. And then he says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. My daughters, Emery and Abby, we've got Another baby coming this week, and uh, Emory, so we moved Emory and Abby in the same room. And so that's been, a, you know, a little bit of an adjustment. And so I kind of, you know, put them to bed, and uh, we'll read a book. We say a prayer together. Uh, then I, I got to rub their backs. And now they got this thing where I have to rub their bellies, too. I don't know. I don't know if they've been watching dog shows or... Not sure where that one came from, but nonetheless, it's kind of part of the ritual now, you know. You cannot violate this, these rituals. It won't work. Um, and so, so then we do that, and then at the end of all that, I say, okay, Daddy's going to go out in the hallway now. And many times we'll be like, all right, Dad, are you, are you going to stay in the hallway? Are you, are you going to be out there? Yep, I'll be right out in the hallway. And so I'll go out in the hallway, and then... Many nights, you know, Emery will say, Daddy, Daddy, are you there? Still here. 
Yeah, out in the hallway, you know. And we'll go through a couple iterations of this, you know. Daddy, daddy, yeah, right here, babe. Just go to sleep. Quit talking. Go to sleep. Daddy's patience it has a very sharp drop off. Um, but, you know, there, there every some nights, I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm not the greatest dad, and, and I'll tell him I'll go out in the hallway, but I'll go downstairs because I don't want to stand for 20 minutes in the hallway, you know? Uh, I'll be honest with you. And, uh, and then we have the little monitor, and then sometimes on the monitor, then I'll hear, you know, Daddy, Daddy. And then I'll, like, sprint up the stairs. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. Daddy, why does your voice sound funny? It's fine. It's good. Um, but, you know, that... <laughs> That sense, of, that sense of nearness brings comfort and peace to us, right? Now, here's what's cool about your Heavenly Father. He never actually goes anywhere far away from you. And you can, you can be 100% confident that even in those moments where you feel absolutely alone, you are not alone. God is still near. You can be 100% confident that, that in your greatest moments of failure, you're still not alone. You're like, well, I, I would have left me if, if I was God. I know, that's why you're not God. He, he's not like that. He's different. <laughs> that's why we worship him, you know. He won't leave you. And uh, in, in the, the moments in life, and, and so what Paul is saying is, hey, guys, just, I want you to see God is always near. He's always closer then you think, you might be in this room and you're like, I feel so far away from God. Here's what I want to tell you. You're not that far from him. Because he's not far from you. He's near to us. He loves us. He is the perfect heavenly father. And we need to see that. And then Paul says, this one I, I really thought about a lot this week. He says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. I thought this was such a, a powerful idea to me. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when we're, when we're afraid, we get cranky? I had this weird experience the other day. I was uh, talking with someone, and I could tell they were getting, like, cranky. But, like, nothing was happening that made them cranky. Like, you know, I didn't, like, say something offensive or something like that, which sometimes that happens. I, you know, it was like none of that. It was all, it was all good, but I, I could tell that, that they, they were, like, they were, they were irritated and stuff. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, I think they're just afraid right now. They're just nervous about, you know, things in their life. And, and it totally made me experience that moment so much different. And what I love that Paul has shown us is saying, as, as we connect to God, as we see his nearness, as we begin to, to rejoice in him, it gives us a new well of gentleness to relate to other people with. Now, is it fair to say that if we were a little bit more gentle with our spouses, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family, that if we were a little bit more gentle, it would be a good thing? Is that fair to say? Is, is there anyone in here? Is it, you know what, Chet? What my life is really lacking is some harshness to it. Everybody's just kind of peaceable and gentle around me, and I, I need some jerks around me. I need some cutting words. I need some mean things. I need some lashing out. Like, is anyone else there, there this morning? 
Or is it like, you know what, I, I think that, that this would probably be healthy to, to introduce some of this in our life. I don't know about you, sometimes I'll, I'll leave a conversation and I'll feel like God's spirit whispered to me, like, you weren't wrong, but you could have been a little more gentle there. That happens a lot to me, you know. Or you were wrong and you were a jerk, you know. Oh, for two. That happens too. But, but, but gentleness, it's a beautiful quality. And can I also remind you that Jesus said that is a reflection of his heart. Come to me, all who are heavy laden. I am gentle and lowly at heart. That, that, those are the, the two, gentle and lowly, those are the two words that describe the heart of Christ. And remember what we're trying to train to be? Like Christ. So what does that mean? More gentleness. Think about this. Paul says, let it be known to everyone. Like, when you think about the trajectory of your life, we all have goals, right? That, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But wh- who has on their goal list, I want to be known by gentleness? Didn't make it on my goal list. Right? We, it's, it's, not, it, it, it's a different way of thinking. But yet Paul says, hey, that's a great goal for your life. That your wife would say, man, my husband is gentle. Kids, man, there's a healthy gentleness. That people we we work with would would think about that. That's that's what, what Paul is calling us to. But we can't do it without a sense of God's nearness, a sense of God's help. And then here, let's just look at this last part. Do not be anxious, but in all things, pray. Now, I know these verses are so irrelevant to us today, because I know none of you ever get anxious. I know you're like, you're just like, wait, what is that word that Paul used? Anxious, worry? I know nothing about that. But amazingly, church, the world has changed so much. 2,000 years ago, people struggled with it. Isn't it isn't the progress of humanity amazing? <laughs> but people are like, the Bible's not, you know, relevant. I'm like, I don't know. Have you read it? Like, seems seems to make a lot of sense. Here, here's Paul talking about, which for many of us, man, is, is a real daily struggle, right? And he said, let, let, me, let me help you to, to think about this and to respond to it in a different way and to, and to allow anxiety to lead us to prayer. Now, I think that a lot of times, the people who have told me that, you know, anxiety is is a very difficult for them, what I tend to notice about them is they're very smart people. They think ahead. They they see, they they kind of, you know, they're not sort of pie in the sky, but but there's a a healthy concreteness to their thinking. Where, where I'll be honest, I'm a little bit more of a dreamer, you know? Like, it's just going to work out. Well, how's it going to work? I don't know, but I feel good about it, you know? That's, it, that, has its own, <laughs> that has its own problems in its, you know, in its own right. But, but you know, but here, here's where we get lost. We don't close the loop on what we see. And the way we close the loop is through prayer. So as, as, I'm, as I'm in this anxious place and, and I'm seeing what could go wrong and I'm mentally planning it and, and I'm thinking about 
all these, these things that, that aren't right or these potential places to get tripped up and, and I'm going to, but, but here, here's what, what I think we do is we just stop there. And so then it has the feel that it's all up to us. And in those moments, we forget that we are sons and daughters of God. And that it's not all up to us. And that every little thing that we see, every little thing that we're anticipating, every little thing that our mind is saying, hey, what about this? What about that? What about this? Paul says those are opportunities to bring that stuff to God because he can deal with it a lot better than you. And when you know he's dealing with it, you don't have to carry it any longer. You with me? And, and so prayer becomes the way to close our, the loop on this. Then, then what we're seeing, what we're anticipating in our minds, it, it's a trigger to pray. It's a trigger to say, these are real concerns, these are real worries, these are things that, that, are, that are rolling in mind, and these are things that I need to bring before God. So Paul says, don't be anxious, but close the loop. Go to prayer. Here's the hardest thing about prayer. Doing it. That's it. That's it. Let me read this quote to you. I loved it. It's this guy named Ol, Ol Hallisby. He says this. Really his name. That the first and decisive battle in conjunction with prayer is the conflict which arises when we are to make arrangements to be alone with God every day. All right, here's what that means. This is the only, if you win this battle, you win the war. You say, I'm going to pray. And then everything in the universe will try to stop you. I'm going to pray. And then your cell phone starts ringing. And then there's something that catches your eye on Instagram. And, and then the dog's barking. And then the microwave's going off. As soon as you decide to pray, everything is going to try and stop you. And what he's saying, what he's saying, if you can win that battle, you win the war. Because as soon as you start to pray, it doesn't matter how you pray. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are. It doesn't matter how long you pray. It doesn't matter if your formula for prayer is really sophisticated. Because as soon as you pray, you're now connecting to God. And everything is different. You with me on this, church? And that's the battle. That's it. That's the battle right there. It's just moving from thinking I should pray, prayer would be helpful, I'm going to pray, to actually doing it. And if you do it, you win. doesn't matter how much, how great, any of that. If you do it, you win. And Paul says, hey, by the way, God invites us to bring every request to him. Sometimes people say, there's this thing going on in my life, but it, it's kind of a small thing. You know, it's kind of like, let's not bother God with it. God says, no, bother me with it. God says, don't underestimate my capacity. I can handle the small things and the big ones and everything in between. God cares. We All of it, all of it. Doesn't matter how crazy it might sound in your mind and heart, you just bring it to God 
and, and let him determine what to do with it. Now, prayer is always at some level going to inconvenience our lives. We're going to have to stop what we're doing. We're going to have to carve out maybe a little space in our life. But I'm telling you, church, to be like Christ, we absolutely need it. And to experience God's peace, prayer is our main pathway to get there. And the hardest thing is just starting and doing it. Then Paul says one more thing. To practice thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The, the more, I'm totally out of time here, so I'm just going to sum this up. The, the more, that, the more that, that we make our requests and we thank God for what he's done, the more it builds our prayer life. Uh, and it's really as simple as that. Now, here's the last thing. I've been reading this book called The God-Shaped Brain. It's by a medical doctor, and he, he writes about how our view of God, this is cool, our view of God literally shapes and wires our brain. He's got all this research and evidence. His name's Timothy Jennings, the god shaped brain. And he says, when, when you understand God as a loving God, it makes the physiology of your brain healthier. How cool is that? Thank you. Woo! Heavy lifting today. Um, isn't that incredible? That, and, and here's what's interesting. When you, when you think about God and you have this, um, this wrong image of who God is, it makes your brain unhealthy. Some of us today, I just want to speak to some of us today, we might be carrying this unhealthy picture of God. And I want to encourage you to see the God that Paul sees in these verses. Some of us, we grew up with a God of wrath. He's mad a lot. Well, of course you don't want to pray to a God like that, right? Because you're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing, you know. He's already kind of on edge. Might put him over. Uh, yeah, of course. Here's, here's the God of Paul. Paul says that wrath fell on Christ. So you can experience the fullness of his love. It's a different view of God. When you're going through life and things aren't going well and you start thinking, maybe God's punishing me, then you remind yourself what Paul shows us, that no, God is, will never punish us because he punished Christ in our place. And so even in the confusion, God is working in his wisdom and his grace to bless us and to help us. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of love. He, he's a God that says, I will, I will come down from ev heaven to earth and give everything to bring you back to my it's a, a, a God of a love that is absolutely incredible and enormous. And church, I just want to encourage you that when we know that God, prayer feels a lot different. Prayer feels like an invitation, not a duty. It moves more into a delight, not a weight.
And so as we close today, can we just remind ourselves of this great God that we have, of who he is, of what he's about, and what he's really like. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, thank you that you are a God who is beautiful in every way, Lord. You're good. You're righteous. You're faithful. Lord, you see mercy to us as a way to glorify your name for all eternity. Lord, you are wonderful and majestic. And how quickly we forget that, Lord. How easily it is to grow up and to live life with with a picture that, that isn't accurate to who you are. So today, Lord, I pray that you would just show us your glory. Show us something of who you are today. And Father, help us to move towards prayer in our lives. Father, those of us who maybe have just been really, really deep in our anxiety, I pray, Father, you could exercise those muscles in us towards prayer. And we could move out of that place and into a prayerful place. Help us, Lord. Bless us. Be with us in all this. In Jesus' name, amen.